0: Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley and welcome back to Thread. This is episode 29 in our ongoing journey through the gospel of Mark. We're on chapter 9 today. Uh, I'd like to address some mail that we got. I'm always happy to hear from listeners who send in their comments and their questions. And uh, this comment was, in the Kilimanjaro teaching where we talked about taking up your cross and following Jesus, uh, do I mean to say that uh, the only way to truly, truly serve the Lord is to quit your job and become a full-time missionary? And uh, I would say to that, I'm really sorry if I gave that uh, impression, less than 1% of Christians, far, far less, uh, will ever be full-time missionaries. So I certainly didn't mean that, and I don't think the Lord meant that. Uh, What I would say, however, is that there's only one mission. There's one mission for all believers. There's one mission for the church because that's God's mission. That's why the world continues on as it is going, is the mission to seek and save the lost. So whether you're doing it at work or whether you're on short-term trips or whether you are uh, leaving your whole world behind and entering into the mission on an absolutely full-time focused basis, um, that's all there is for us to do as believers. And as we get closer to our involvement, Uh, In that, we're going to find more life in the Lord. We're going to find more anointing from the Holy Spirit and all kinds of interesting coincidences will start taking place in our life. But I think the point in that teaching was just it's Jesus above all else. You've got to decide if you're going to be a disciple or not. And if you're going to be a disciple, everything else goes on the table. And the Lord can claim and does claim ownership of absolutely everything in your life. And there's just no holding back on that. And he's going to put that into service in his search and recovery mission as he seeks for his lost children throughout the world. And I want to be part of that. And I'm sure you do too. Uh, Well, I'm speaking to you today from a smoky, smoky Thailand. uh, As the Burmese hill tribe farmers have decided to light their mountains on fire just 30 miles away from us to clear the brush so that they can do slash-and-burn farming. And so we are getting the downdraft of all that smoke. I've been living this way for about three weeks. I mean, it's to the state that you can't see the sunshine. Uh, The clouds are so thick with smoke, and uh, we're just waiting on the rains. Hopefully, they'll push that stuff back down somewhere. All right, well, let's get into Thread, Episode 29. If you don't have your Bible, go get one, because we're going a verse at a time, and you should... Make notes in your Bible, and otherwise uh, take reference to what the Lord is saying as we go verse by verse through this passage. Mark 9, verse 14 through 29. We'll be right back with Thread. All right, um, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. This uh, passage comes as Jesus has been on the mountain with his disciples. He's had his transfiguration. And, uh, he's, he's metamorphosed the Greek said became something totally different as clothes began to shine. And the disciples that were with him, just three of them, uh, they were amazed at what they saw. And we just covered that one, the glory of the kingdom of God being revealed that it's real, it's, it's here, but it's hidden. Uh, and now Jesus comes back down the mountain and as he's coming, uh, into the area where his disciples have been waiting for him, the other nine, he sees a large crowd gathered and he realizes there's some kind of a scene going on here. Verse 14, Uh, he saw that there were multitude there and that the scribes were disputing with his disciples. And immediately the people saw, oh, it's Jesus. And they get amazed, they run to greet him. And he addresses the scribes because what these guys have done is usurped his authority over his workers in his absence. He's not been there to protect them. And uh, the scribes just, you know, they stay frustrated with Jesus. And so now they're taking it out. They've got a chance, you know, to pick on his, his disciples in their failure as their disciples have attempted to do ministry on their own in the Lord's absence. Uh, and they've done, you know, they've been brought a case to deal with, and they've done this before. They went out on, you know, solo mission trips just two by two. And they dealt with uh, situations just like this one, so they feel competent and they know that they're authorized by the Lord to do ministry like this. And yet they have attempted and failed, and now the scribes are all around them, and they're just uh, you know pouncing on them. And Jesus' first instinct is protective. Uh, he's not dealing with this case. He's not you know focused on what's wrong with this person. Uh, he is focused on scribes. You know how dare you. How dare you beat down my young workers? They are young. They're new at this. How dare you uh, dispute with them and get in their face like this? So that's the first thing he does is reassert his position as the leader of those men. If you've got something to say, you say it to me. You know, so that, that is a leadership tip already. You know, we, protect our, we protect our followers and those that, that are willing to work alongside of us. They, they look to us to defend them. So as Jesus puts the scribes in their place, then he turns to this father uh, who brought this case to the disciples. And the father says in verse 17, teacher, I'm trying to get to you. You I ended up with your disciples. I didn't want to deal with your disciples anyway. I wanted to deal with you. I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Uh, Now, you know, this boy's case is very unusual. He on the one hand, he can't speak. On the other hand, he he has seizures. He foams at the mouth. But as you'll see, this is not epilepsy. You know, well, epilepsy doesn't make you mute either. Uh, but he's got other things working. This this illness has a spiritual dimension to it that is not a physical problem uh, alone. It's not something that you know is just a scientific issue going on with him. He has he's under a spiritual attack. And this is a biblical worldview. You know, not all disease is caused by spirits. We know that. uh, But there are times that sickness is directly caused by spiritual forces. And you can take all the medicine you want. Your condition is not the result of, you know, an imbalance or you need antibiotics. You have a demon that's attacking you. That's that's a biblical worldview. It happens. Uh, Not that it happens all the time. Uh, But it does happen, and to rule that out and to say, well, you know, that's old superstition. Well, Jesus believed it, uh, and the Bible believes it. So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus and uh, someone who builds your life on the Word of God uh, and lives by it, then you need to invite the Scripture's perspective to inform your perspective. You know, there's been times in my own life that, because I'm not a real... uh, I'm definitely not a superstitious Christian I'm a Pentecostal Christian I believe in all the gifts of the spirit uh, I believe in demons I believe in angels I believe in uh, anointing from God to break all kinds of spiritual strongholds uh, but I do not you know run around looking for high places to go upon and pray over cities and I don't do that um, however there have been times in my life and my family's life that uh, the the things that have happened to us, uh, there's just too many. They're coming one after another. They appear to be calculated. it It appears that these things work in concert with each other, and we're being beaten down and broken down as a family. And you know, we'll just kind of soldier through it. And then there's a time when we go, wait, you know, this is this could be spiritual in nature. So then we rebuke the devil and fight a spiritual battle. And the sky clears and the thing goes away. So uh, take authority. You know, we're in a spiritual battle, and you need to take authority over the dark side when it tries to attack you. Uh, in verse 19, Jesus has absolutely no doubt that every single case can be healed. You know, He doesn't He doesn't ever enter into this uh debate. You know, does God heal everybody? Can God heal? Will God heal everybody? He just assumes that every single case can find a healing. If it's a natural caused problem, God can heal that. If it's spiritually related, of course, God can heal that. Uh, he addresses things with absolute 100% faith that it can be dealt with. And he expresses his frustration in verse 19. He's frustrated with his disciples. He's frustrated with the scribes. He's frustrated with the crowd. And he just extends this comment to everyone of, oh, faithless generation that will not have faith. Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? And how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And as the boy is being brought, when verse 20, when the boy sees him, the spirit convulses him. He falls to the ground. He wallows foaming at the mouth. Okay. Now, if you're involved in the care of souls, you're involved in caring for people and in ministering to people, and if you ever are involved in praying for the sick or doing spiritual warfare, you really need to pay attention to what's about to happen in this story. Jesus does not grab his bottle of anointing oil and go racing at this child. He understands, just like doctors in the hospital understand that you don't rush to treat. You everybody's in pain and you know, as long as there's no bleeding going on, you take a moment. I mean, if there's bleeding, you put pressure on it, but you take a moment and you ask some questions because you need to get the right diagnosis before you start, you know, hacking away at a cure. And this is important for counseling too, because sometimes, you know, someone will come in, they'll they'll open their mouth, they tell you their story, and you jump to tell them what they should do. And what you need to understand as a counselor is whatever it is they told you is not the real thing. Okay. It's not the story. It's a story. And maybe in their mind, that's what's, you know, got their consciousness all focused. But if you'll just take your time and dig around at this a little bit better, uh, you're going to come to different layers of need and layers of understanding and you need an accurate assessment. So, um, you know, I was taught in seminary four four steps to the care of souls, and uh, I offer them to you because I see Jesus doing them. First of all, intake. Uh, you don't start speaking. You start by asking questions. I, I knew a guy that uh, he said the way he did counseling was he, he had a prescription pad on his desk made with his stationery, and people would tell him their problems, and he'd write them a script for scriptures and send them on their way. You know, here, memorize this scripture and say this ten times. And it's like, oh, man. Um, so we can do better than that. Uh, number one, intake. Ask questions. And that, that's one of the important parts of being a people helper is to ask meaningful questions. Uh, questions that dig at motivation. Questions that dig out their fears. Questions that tap on their value system and the limits of their value system. Ask questions. Intake, Jesus says. How long has this been happening? Then, number two, resonate. Let that information sit inside of you for a minute. Get a feeling for it. Just just soak on it for a minute. Don't Don't jump to treatment. Intake. Resonate. Now, diagnose. That's number three. What is the nature of this problem? As he listens to this case and he says, okay, Tell me about this. Tell me about this case. What's going on with with your son? And the man says, "This has been happening to him from childhood. This spirit is destructive. It always if there's an open well nearby, if there's a river nearby, if there's a fire burning, it will take him and throw him into this danger. It's trying to destroy him." Okay? So you intake, you resignate, you resonate. You diagnose, now you act, okay, because you know what you're doing. So as Jesus proceeds now to act, he realizes, okay, this is spiritually caused condition. I'm going to address this in a spiritual manner. I'm going to rebuke this demon, whereas in other cases, he doesn't rebuke a demon at all. He might rebuke the sickness, or he might even do something medicinal, like applying uh, spit and mud to someone's eyes, Um it's a form of treatment. But in, uh, in this case, he realized okay, it's a spiritual issue. I'm going to address it directly as a spiritual issue. And as he's getting ready to do it, this father says this sentence, and that's what we're going to entitle today's teaching uh, Don't Say If. Uh, the father turns and says, You know, the demon's trying to destroy my son, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us because it's not only my son that's suffering. Our whole family, you know, is held captive by this problem. We, we don't have life apart from this problem. It affects all of us. And if you could do anything about this, please do have compassion on us and help us. And it like the word if it just stuns Jesus. Now, this father has great faith. He has so much faith that he came to Christ with his son. But he has just spent an hour or more in an atmosphere of unbelief. The scribes have been pouring it on with the disciples, and he failed to get help from these disciples. And so his, you know, his faith that he really did have has just been beaten down, and it's weak. And so now as he looks in the face of the one who can heal his son, he says, if you have any power and Jesus is stunned by the word he says in the Quinley translation, verse 23. Did you just say if. I can't believe you said if you brought him to me, you went to all this trouble and then you say if why would you do that? If it's not if I can do anything, it's if you can believe. It's not a question of God's ability. It's a question of your faith. He says not if I can, it's if you can believe. And then he says something in verse 23 that I am certain I've never fully accepted. All things. All things. Think of everything that could be all things. All things are possible to him who Believes, And I'm not just talking about all things like uh, you get a job or they don't foreclose on your house or all things like your very serious illness gets healed or your marriage that is falling apart. Your partner who hates you suddenly changes their perspective and your behavior changes too all things. I'm not just talking about that. I mean, in the, in this same book, you know, we have a case where Simon Peter is in a boat and he says, Lord, call me and let me, I'll come walking on the water to you. See, that's what faith can do. We're talking about walking on the surface of water. How can you get the ability to do that? Faith. When people got healed so many times, Jesus says, This isn't about my abilities. This is about your faith. Your faith has made you whole. And in this case, he takes it beyond healing. He says, this is not just about healing. This is about all things. All things are possible for the one who believes. That word believe is a Greek word. It means to wrap your confidence around. uh, And it's an interesting word in that it it cannot stand alone. You can't just have faith. It's uh, it's almost like the word, if you were going to translate it properly, is the word faith in. Now you got to put something after that. So there is the uh, that is a crucial point because on the one hand it's the power of faith, the the willingness to suspend your disbelief and completely throw open your acceptance of a new possibility, that this new possibility is a reality even. If you can see that, and if you can believe it, and if you absolutely, like the woman with the issue of blood, she got it in her mind, this thought, if I can push through the crowd and touch Jesus' clothing, I will be healed. It was her own thought. It was a faith thought. If I do this, God will respond that way, and I will be healed. That's my outcome, and she went for it. And when Jesus, she touches him, he's not even aware of her problem. He's not even aware that she's doing this. She touches him, she's immediately healed, has nothing to do with his conscious effort to help this woman. It happened. It was done. He turns to her and he goes, wow, your faith did that. Your own faith just made you healed. God, that's how it works. God has all these resources out there and they are for the ones who have the faith in Jehovah. You have absolute, total, childlike confidence in Jehovah God. He loves me, cares for me, can do all things. I'm walking with him and I believe, and you reach out and do it. And the child's uh, father, and I'm certain I have never fully accepted the power of this verse. I mean, think of all that's included in all things. Man, how could our life be different if we really lived by faith? Totally, totally. Confidently believed in God, would not entertain any thought opposite to what we know God will do by his character and by his nature, and just live that way. And this boy's. Uh, father, uh, he cries out what I think we all cry out. Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. You know, it's our dilemma. We're, we're caught uh, between the faith that God gave us, because the scripture says that God gave us a measure of faith. We've all been given that measure of faith. We should use it every day. It's like a muscle, and we should pray for its increase. And this man says, Lord, you know I believe, but, you also know I need help, so help my unbelief. Well, let me help your unbelief. Uh, prayer and praise provide an atmosphere that will build faith. You need to change your environment. If you want to have more faith, stronger faith, confident faith, you need to change your environment. Fill your mind with God's music. Fill your mind with praises. Get yourself in the Word. Memorize the Word. Soak yourself in God's Word, and get that in your head, because even Christ's ability to do miracles was reduced where unbelief prevailed. In Matthew 13, 58, and also even here in Mark, uh, we'll see cases where Jesus goes home to his own people. He goes intending to heal everybody in town, only to have them meet him with unbelief and hostility. And the Scripture will say, and he could do no mighty miracles there, except heal a few sick folk. Uh, they shut him down. And the next verse says, and he marveled at their unbelief. Like, wow, faith is an amazing power to release the resources of God. And unbelief, anti-faith, is an amazing power to shut down the flow of God's grace. I mean, he wants to do it. And here's God wanting to do it. And here's anti-faith, unbelief, questioning, doubt, if... And that just totally shuts down what God is intending to do. That's how powerful it is. So, you know, feed your faith, starve your fears. Um, Jesus takes this boy. He commands the spirit come out of this child and enter him no more. The spirit cries, convulses him greatly, comes out of him. And everyone said he's killed him. The man is the boy is dead. But Jesus took the boy by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And the disciples ask, "When this case is over?" In verse twenty-eight, the disciples ask a very humble, honest question. I think that's one of the the signs of health in their life is that they ask the question in verse twenty-eight: Why couldn't we cast this demon out? We knew it was a demon. We tried to cast it out. It wouldn't come out for us. It came out for you. Why wouldn't it come out? And uh, just a uh, wrap up. Jesus uh answer in verse twenty nine basically says there just like there's different kinds of people, there are different kinds of demons. And some people, even criminals, uh, you know, ten criminals could be in a house. One policeman comes to the door, says, Come out in the name of the law with your hands up, and all ten walk out with their hands up, and one man arrests ten guys. There are other kinds of criminals though that if the police, say, come out in the name of the law, they get shot at. You know, these guys are not coming out. And so the wise police officer drops back, gets on his radio, calls all these guys, and they surround the house until they're shock and awe, and there's so many more cops than the guys inside. And now they come at him again uh, because you're dealing with stubborn, hardened criminals. And so when you're dealing with the demonic there are times that a simple prayer will do, and then there are times that you're dealing with a stubborn demon, and they are not easily going to answer to you. So you got to muscle up on them, and you do that with fasting. Jesus says, well, you actually don't have much of a, a prayer and fasting life, verse 29. This kind, this kind of demon, it doesn't come out without prayer and fasting. So there are stubborn demons that you're going to need more faith than usual to overpower and fasting and prayer, especially as a habit, will build you up and give you the spiritual muscle that you need to have the faith and confidence to attack these kind of challenges. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that. I know I did. Uh, attack those areas in your life that are spiritual strongholds. Get your confidence up don't you know don't let your mind because that's where it all happens. Don't let your mind get beaten down by the devil. Don't accept defeat in your mind. don't entertain temptations in your mind. Fight for your mind and get your mind free. My friend, this is your life. Take authority over it in the name of Jesus you'd like to write me directly, that's chuck at quinley.com. I would love to hear from you. You can also check us out on our personal blog. That's the quinley.com blog. And there we talk about life, family, and mastering the things that matter. We'll be back next time with more on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information... Log on to EmergeNetwork.org.